today on an all-new Dr. Phil. She said her professor crossed the line. Laura started sending me text messages saying that she loved me and that I was her daughter. Was this teacher obsessed with her student? I woke up and all my stuff was in her house. How do you just wake up in a professor's house? Did you give her drugs? No. Yes. Was this student? She said, I'm going to ruin your career. Schooling her teacher. Did you get her fired? Yes. I think you're obsessed with me. You're moving a student into your house and giving her answers to a test. You're blaming the victim. I was victimized by her. Let's do it. Is a safe place to talk about hard things. Stand by, Dr. Phil. I try to be an emotional compass and point you in the right direction. In five, four. I am not giving up on you. Go, Dr. Phil. Number one, can you please text or call me? I need to talk to you. Can we meet or talk or text? Female number two, I can't even begin to tell you how much you hurt me. You stomped all over my heart. Female number one, you're right, I did hurt you and I feel sorry for that. Then the next morning, the first girl decided um, I'm not so sorry. And she texted, forget it. You're a bitch. <laughs> Sounds like text between best friends forever having a drama-filled fight. But what if I told you they are actually texts between a 51-year-old college professor and her young student? Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> It's a bizarre story filled with twists, turns, obsessive attention, and allegations of harassments. Now, Kayla, the 20-year-old college student, says she even woke up in one of her professor's bedrooms with no idea how she got there. Wow. Kayla says she went from student to practically being stalked by her psychology, of course. <laughs> professor, who she says was desperate to play mommy. Take a look. I first met Laura when I was a freshman in college in her Psychology 101 class. In the beginning, Laura was a very nice person, someone that I thought I could trust. I opened up to Laura about my anorexia and abuse that happened in my childhood. Our relationship progressed into a mother-daughter type relationship. Christmas 2013, Laura invited me to her house to spend Christmas with her family. As the weeks progressed, Laura started sending me text messages saying that she loved me and that I was her daughter and that I should move in with her. At first I was thinking that this is not normal, this is my professor, but I felt kind of honored to have her ask me that because maybe she could be like a mother figure to me. And that's just something I never had. Well, Kayla's warm and fuzzy feelings didn't last long because she says their bond soon turned bizarre. Laura is very manipulative. She can be very vindictive. She'll do what she can to get what she wants. Laura likes making stuff up to make herself feel better. New Year's 2013, I was with my fiance and his friends. The cops knock on my door and flat out ask me, have you been date raped? 
It was very outrageous in my mind because we were engaged at this time. A couple minutes later, I got a text from Laura asking if the cops were still there. I felt betrayed. Things just started becoming very awkward. One night, Laura invited me to spend the night at her house. The next morning, I was waking up. I ended up having a cyst erupt, and I went to the emergency room. I got a call that Caleb was in the emergency room. I went home, and all her clothes were gone. Most of her furniture, some of my own things were gone. I don't remember that night. It was really fuzzy. When I woke up, I was at Laura's house with all my stuff surrounding me. It was extremely bizarre. I felt really helpless because I wanted to help her, but now all of a sudden she has two adults that are refusing to let me even talk to her. I felt like this is a kidnap situation. I was trapped there. You, you gotta help me out here. Okay. How do you go from being a student in a professor's classroom to waking up in a bedroom in her house one day? Well, it started off as I was in her classroom, I was a student. She talked to her class and told us that if we ever wanted to talk to her, she was there. She understands a lot of problems and she's there to talk to us. And you took her up on it. So I kind of told her about my past and a lot of things, um, troubles I've had, and she was there to talk to me. And, and you said once you did that, you the relationship started building quickly. Right. I start, I trusted her and I felt like I could talk to her about. Did you at one point tell her that you were having suicidal thoughts? I did, yes. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And um, I was living with my fiance then, but she said, why don't you come live with me and my husband? And still no bell went off. That part did. That's when I thought that's crazy. But then yet again, I kind of felt honored that someone liked me. <laughs> you did wind up spending the night at the house. I did. You actually had a health problem. Yes. You go to the hospital, and was it the next morning that you woke up back at her house and all of your stuff was there? Yes. I woke up and all my stuff was in her house, um, from like clothes to hair accessories, everything. Your other house had been emptied. Yes. Right. And moved to her house. Correct, yes. Did a bell go off then? Yes, that's when it went off. Okay, I just wanted to be sure you have bells. <laughs> I have bells. Because <laughs> I'm just, okay, and I'm gonna ask her if she's, okay. <laughs> Laura says when Kayla walked into her classroom two years ago, she acted like she needed rescuing. She says Kayla repaid her kindness by completely destroying her life and her career. It's a lesson this teacher says she will never forget. Kayla was a student of mine in my introductory psychology class, and her appearance really concerned me. She was extremely thin. I worked in a nursing home, and I know what dying people look like, and she looked like she was dying. She was that pale. I decided to help Kayla because she seemed to need somebody. Kayla was very reluctant to talk to me about her history. She finally started emailing me and confessed that she was suicidal. She told me that she'd had an extremely abusive childhood. She later confessed to me that she was addicted to painkillers. She would fake symptoms and emergency room hop to get as many painkillers as she possibly could. When she finally moved in with us, we treated her like a daughter. We made her a member of the family. She had started calling me her mother. I said, yeah, that's fine, you can do that. She was like a scared cat when she first came in. She hid and stayed to herself. I was very afraid that if I didn't intervene, she was going to die. Okay, um, Laura, there's an old saying that um, 
no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and you think you're a walking, talking example of that, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. I've taken in um, diff- uh, teenagers with difficulties before. Uh-huh. And I'd always had good outcomes before. So when Kayla came along, it was just another person to help, another young person to help. All right, so you're in class, and you say to your, you're a developmental psychologist, right? And general psychology, okay. and Kayla was in my general psychology general psych, class. And, but you're, develop, you're trained as a developmental psychologist. Correct. You're not a therapist. No. Okay, but you, you said when you met her, when she came to your class, you said she looked... Forlorn. You said she looked sad, like a waif. She, yes, she did. She looked very ill. She looked terrified. She looked um, depressed. She just looked like she was really, really in a lot of trouble. And your read was apparently right because, sure enough, she came up after class at one point and said, "Hey, can we talk?" And you said she told you that she had been abused in her life. Yes, and had been hurt, and you wanted to help her. Yes. Kayla's fiance and now husband, um, Kayla told me, and I believed everything she told me. I really did. Um, Kayla told me that he was beating her, that he had stolen $6,000 from her. She told me that he broke her wrist. She told me that um, he raped her regularly. Did you tell her all these things? No. Yes, she did. No. Did, yes, did you tell did. her that you were being raped and beaten? And Absolutely not. I don't know how much of it's true. and I don't know if any of the things she's told me were true. Okay, well, so you're thinking plot thickens. You have no idea. Next, Laura says Kayla told her she was terrified her boyfriend would kill her, and that's why she allowed her to move in to her house. She didn't just spend the night. She moved in. Well, we're going to talk to this then fiance, now husband, and find out what he has to say about the abuse allegations being made against him. And we're going to drill down on this and find out what's going on. We'll be right back. Kayla told me Jacob was beating her up. He was locking her out of her house at night. I never physically touched Kayla in any way, shape, or form. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Professor Laura claims that when she moved her then-student Kayla into her home, she was just trying to help her. But Kayla says her former teacher is not a helper. She's just twisted. Laura is adamant that Kayla told her she was being abused by her then-boyfriend and needed rescuing. Take a look. Kayla told me several times that she feared for her life. Jacob was beating her up. He was locking her out of her house at night in the middle of the wintertime. She tried hiding in her car so she could at least seek a little shelter there. But then he started taking her car keys, and so she had to spend the nights outside. I never physically touched Kayla in any way, shape, or form. Kayla told me that Jacob raped her regularly. Jacob had found out that she was pregnant, and he beat her 
This was one of the reasons why she wanted to kill herself. She was telling people that I caused a miscarriage by kicking Kayla in the stomach when she was pregnant, but Kayla was never pregnant to begin with. After Kayla decided to move back in with her boyfriend, I was pretty upset with her. I told her that it was a bad idea and that things would just go back to the way they were. Within a week and a half, she said she needed to get high because she couldn't deal with what was going on in her life. Okay, Jacob, um, thank you for joining us. It's good to meet you. Now, nice have you me. ever met Laura before today? I have never met Laura before today. Never? This is the first time I've ever met her in person. I, he always wanted to meet me, but I never wanted to meet him because that would be condoning the fact that he was abusing her. I only wanted to meet you because you kept saying I was abusing her, and I'm not an abusive person. I have never I spent Kayla. two and a half years in a battered women's shelter. I know what abusers are like. They always claim they're innocent. Okay, I know they do, but I'm not abusive. I yeah. have never hit Kayla. How do you know? I know. Well, I, according to what Kayla told me, now maybe the whole thing was a lie. Maybe he never did abuse her, but she told me he was abusing her severely. She feared for her life. Are you telling me that you totally, fully, and completely prejudged this man without ever meeting him, without ever hearing his side of the story, without ever verifying any claim that she made to you whatsoever? I wasn't here to judge her. I was taught that when a victim... Well, that wasn't what I asked you. I, I right, asked you, right. you, you totally prejudged him. I was, I was taught that when a victim tells you a story, you believe it, because at least in their mind, it's true. <clears throat> you meet them where they're at. I didn't ask you whether you believed or didn't believe her. I asked you, you said, I wouldn't meet you because I know how abusers are. I had no reason to disbelieve Kayla. But you, have, you had no information about him whatsoever. Except for what she told me. And based on what she told me, I immediately <clears throat> disliked him. I wanted nothing to do with him. I told you, he's not abusing me. And you said, oh, I know he's abusing you. He did it. I'm like, Laura, just meet you him. You told he's me not repeatedly he was abusing you. No, I never said that. He left so much you of what said, you said today no, is a lie. <laughs> then why would you not doubt everything she said? Because do at you the time, cherry pick what she no, to believe time, and what she doesn't? No, at the time, I didn't believe. I thought all of this was true until the whole thing blew up in my face. Look, now Believe everything, but should everything. we believe everything she says? No, we shouldn't believe any of it because everything she's said today is a lie. Well, should you not be apologizing to him? I mean, I'm just asking you. I mean, is she, she you're saying she burned you to the ground. Did, did she maybe not burn him down with you? You've got a really good point. Thank Jacob, you. if Kayla was lying about you, I really apologize. But she told me that you were abusing her severely. I don't believe that. There were some independent checks here because you called for a welfare check. And over the course of their relationship, Laura called the police several times to check on Kayla's well-being. And here's one of those, quote, I was dispatched to, we blanked out the address, in reference to a check well-being. I knocked on the door and was unable to make contact with anyone at the residence. I contacted the complainant, Laura, who stated Kayla told her she was having fights with her boyfriend and was concerned for Kayla's well-being contacted Walmart and spoke with a customer service representative who stated Kayla was standing in the store and did not appear to have any problems. So there was a welfare check done. And as it turns out, she was not in distress. There was nothing going on. So there was an independent investigator that told you that she was, in fact, fine, despite the fact that you had been given information. To they never called me back. Again, I had no reason to disbelieve <clears throat> Kayla. So I just asked the police to make a well-being check on her. I believe they did call me. This, this happened multiple times, so I don't remember individual details. And you never followed up to find out what the result of the well-being check was? Well, they usually called me, and perhaps they did that time. But I never would have made the <clears throat> phone call in the first place if I didn't think she was a danger. 
that's illegal. Well, but I'm saying there's information to the contrary that was available to you right. at the time. So maybe this was all Kayla's attention seeking. Did you lie to her about all of this? No, I want to say something about that. Okay, when she had called the cops, I get a call from an officer asking me about my well-being, and I had no idea what this was coming from or what that was even about. Kayla is so innocent and sweet looking that she's very easy to believe. Kayla looks very young and very innocent, but she is not. I guess I got really caught up in this. Yeah. Okay. Kayla says that once she was actually living with Laura, things got really weird. Kayla says Laura even invited her to have a threesome with a registered sex offender. We're going to ask Laura about that and give her an opportunity to respond when we come back. She started giving me alcohol, wanting me to do drugs. And on top of that, she asked me if I wanted to be a part of threesome with her and a registered sex offender. My wife has taken in strays before. She's raised three or four kids besides her own, just kids that needed a hand, and she's very good at it. I tried to help a student of mine as I had helped many students before, but this time it turned into a nightmare. Kayla changed from a nice girl into a complete stranger and a monster. Professor Laura says she learned a huge lesson when she tried to help her psychology student Kayla through a tough time. She says she was so worried about her that she even moved her into her home. Kayla says that during the time she was staying with Laura, things went from, well, they went from weird to just downright strange. Some months went by living with John and Laura. Things started becoming really awkward. She started giving me alcohol, wanting me to do drugs. And on top of that, she asked me if I wanted to be a part of threesome with her and a registered sex offender. At that point, I knew I had to go. I had gotten back together with my fiance, and I told him we have to get a house as soon as possible. Once Kayla and I were living together again, Laura began telling her that I was gonna leave her, that our relationship wasn't gonna last. Kayla started getting angry with me because I continued to maintain that her boyfriend was going to hurt her. Everything was getting out of hand. All of a sudden, cops were showing up at the house every other day because Laura's telling them Kayla's getting abused. It put a lot of stress on me. I was angry with Jacob. He would take Kayla's car keys so that she couldn't drive her car so she couldn't get away from him. He was just trying to victimize her further. I just had enough of it. I finally texted her telling her I want to be done with her and out of her life. She then got very upset and started threatening me and telling me that she wanted to kill me. Well, also joining us now is John, Laura's husband. He lived through all of this with his wife and says she did nothing wrong. Were, were you comfortable with her moving in? I support my wife and... She's had good success and good outcomes before, so we'll give it a try. Now, you say at one point she was asking you to participate in a threesome with a registered sex offender. Yes. Do you know who she's talking about? I do. Was he a registered sex offender? Yes, he is. Did... Um, she is not a child, however. Um, did... Did you ask them to engage in sexual activity? God, no. Why would I want to have sex with anybody outside my husband? And besides, I'm in psychology. I know the damage that registered sex offenders do. Did you ever give her alcohol? No. 
Drugs? No. It, you gave me yeah. I gave her alcohol to carry into my son's house no, for no. a party. She, that was the only alcohol I ever gave her. She bought me alcohol and she wanted me to go to her son and daughter's party and drink it. And she says, live life, be a college student, have alcohol. She bought me alcohol. You did buy alcohol and give it to her and what she did with it, you don't know. Right, that's correct. But you did buy it and give it to her. Mm -hmm. Did you give her drugs? No. Did she give you drugs? Yes. She okay. had brought a bunch of painkillers with her when she came to our house because she was addicted to them. Did you give her test answers? She was not my student at the time. She came to my class. She had flunked out of the two classes she was taking. So she started coming to my class with me. She took the tests with the students to challenge herself. She's very smart. And so, yeah, she, I gave her the test answers at the same time I gave all my other students the test answers. Why did you give her test answers again? Like I said, I give them to all my students. We go over the tests and quizzes when the exam is over. You don't you let them keep she it. Wasn't your student, but she was in my class. She said, "You don't in let my them classes. keep it. You don't let them keep the tests and all that." And I was I let you bring them back to my house, which is where the rest of the test answers were. And then when you moved out, you <clears throat> took them with you. You let me keep them to no. use. You said. You got very uncomfortable when she started talking to you about her sex life. Yes, about how when she was with her last husband, how she would have sex with other guys and other things. Interesting. You I, gave me specific details of what you did. No, I did not do that. When she was in the hospital with this cyst that she did have to go to the hospital, right? She was rolling around in her bed in agonizing pain and um, said that her stomach was hurting really badly. I called the, I called 911. The fire department came. The first thing the fire, the, the first responder asked her was, have you ever had pain like this before? And she said, yes. And all of a sudden his complete demeanor changed and he started treating her like he didn't take her seriously. I didn't understand it at the time, but his thinking was, oh, she's just taking the pain so she can get painkillers. And that is indeed what happened. We went to the hospital and she had some shots of morphine and had, um, uh, had a prescription for a bunch of painkillers. She later told me that she was addicted to painkillers. Okay, but was it at that time that you told us that your son and some friends went to her house? With and in, her. She and came in, with us. And in 30 minutes moved everything out of her house and into your house. She was with us the entire time, yes. You also said she just had three doses of morphine. She was not able to be coherent. Okay, so if okay, she I, wasn't but, coherent, then why the next morning didn't she call you and say, hey, come get me? She did call me to come get her. No, she didn't. We okay. weren't, we weren't keeping minute. her I'm prisoner. Saying, but did you go move everything out in 30 minutes? And yeah, move, and move yeah there was about house? 10 of us, and we thought she her life was in danger because of the abusive boyfriend, fiance, whatever the heck he is. And uh, so we got her out of the house. Do, do you remember any of this happening? I remember bits and parts of that day, but I don't remember that yeah. much. That's why I can't say much about it. Okay, Kayla reported Laura to the police saying she was sending her terroristic text. At the time, Laura said she had no idea what Kayla was talking about. So who's telling the truth about that? We're going to talk about all that when we come back. <laughs> Former Professor Laura says her relationship with student Kayla went sour after Kayla moved out of her house and back in with her then-fiancé, Jacob. Now, things got so bad between the two that Kayla reported Laura to the police, alleging that she was making death threats via text. Now, here are two of those texts. Now, the text date is unknown. Kayla, Jacob went to work and is gone till 11. Could you come today alone so we can talk? 
Laura, by the way, don't mess with me. I already called the school and cops, you know, just so they won't take you seriously. I will get you kicked out of college and you want to be a cop? Not now. I'm going to ruin your life. Also, John will be paying you a little visit. R.I.P. Laura, okay, little bitch. You want your stuff back? Well, one, you're not. Two, if you do, John will be over to give it to you. Don't be messing with us. He was in the military and has a handgun with him. He will use it on you. I gave you those test answers for you to use to pass my class. If you don't use them, that's your problem. Give it back to me before I get caught. Please delete this text before I kill you. If you give this to the cops, I will kill you. No more drama. I don't want to deal with your abuse anymore. Never contact me again. Laura, I told you, little bitch, not to contact the cops. You disobeyed me. I don't want anything to do with you, but I'm going to teach you a lesson not to mess with me or my family. Sleep with one eye open because my family and I are coming after you now. I promise you, we will end your life. These messages you got threatening your life. Yes. Did you send those messages? I never sent a message like that. Okay, they came from your phone. I think that the um, justice system has worked itself out to show that I never sent those text messages. So they just appeared out of thin air. No, you downloaded a program so that you could send them to yourself. And okay. very creative. She sent those. Nope. You might not want to believe it, but she sent those. I don't have to believe it. Didn't happen. I've never threatened anyone in my life. I would never threaten someone like that. Why, when we were living in our house, did you and John's car constantly drive around our block? It didn't. I saw you driving around and you knew where I, I lived. I think you're obsessed with me. Okay, well, when you went to the police with this, you were initially charged... Harassment, harassment via electronic, electronic communications yeah, or something electronic like that. Electronic communications, yes. right. Potentially a felony because of the nature of the threats. Right, because they were death threats. Those charges were eventually dropped. Yes, that is correct. Why? Because I never sent them. The, um, the court subpoenaed both my phone records and her phone records. And although there was records of many text messages back and forth between the two of us, those text messages did not exist on my phone it turns out when I, I didn't know this, but when I was first accused, um, I had a friend of mine do some research and it turns out that there are cell phone apps that you can download where you can send fake text messages to other people. Well, um, this, is, this is one of those that there's not a record for being sent. I also, pulled up these from um, the records um, that we know come from your phone. Okay. Now, the only thing that I find of interest here is you, you have a habit or a pattern. I don't, I don't know why we all have little habits or patterns. But for some reason, you capitalize the word but in your text messages a lot. Mm -hmm. Some people just do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and here, this is a text message that comes from your phone. You capitalize but uh, here. Over here, this is one from your phone. You capitalize but here. Now, this is the fake message. 
this is interesting um, because when you look at this one, that there's no record of seeing, mm -hmm. but is capitalized in that one also. Now, the ones on the left come from your phone. Right. The ones on the right. I received it. It just got on your phone. <laughs> And it shows that it came from Laura's phone, but it didn't, there's no record of it coming from Laura's phone. And Laura started capitalizing, but <laughs> all of a sudden. I, I don't know, I just found that of interest. <laughs> I mean, I did receive it. I was literally in the room with him, and it dinged, and it came across the thing. I don't know how to explain it. I did not, whatever app she's talking about, get on it. I didn't know about it. I don't know. I don't know. This story doesn't end here. <laughs> it gets worse. We'll talk about that when we come back. Laura and Kayla have a toxic relationship would be um, an understatement. <laughs> but the situation went from bad to worse and things got downright ugly. And what started out as a text fight ended with some very serious real life consequences. When I moved out, Laura thought it was the end of the world. Laura began to threaten Kayla, saying, I did so much for you, you're a little bitch, I'm gonna kill you if you don't listen to me. Kayla became very erratic and threatening towards me, and I would call her on it. That would just make her angry and she would escalate. She said that she wanted to burn down my house. She threatened to stab my eye out. She said, I'm going to take your job, I'm going to ruin your career. I kind of felt like I was living in a Lifetime movie that this was all just movie drama. At this point, it had become extremely serious. I went to the police station. I had also went to the school and showed them the threatening messages that Laura had given me. Sometime in the middle of all of this police stuff, I contacted the school and expressed my concerns. They said, bring your phone with you so we can take pictures of those text messages. And then they said, well, now here's the text messages that she says you sent. I saw these text messages calling her these horrible names and threatening to kill her. I was completely speechless. And a week later, I got a letter saying I've been fired from my job. I lost my income. I lost my career. I do believe that Laura is in denial of everything. If it's her fault, it's not her fault. She has to play victim with everything. Did you get her fired? Yes, she did get fired. And um, have, you, have you texted her recently? Yes, I have. About a week ago? A week, around a week ago, yes. Well, here's that exchange. Kayla kind of ended up saying, don't worry, I'm blocking you today. By the way, you need to stop getting your ex-students involved with your petty, dramatic life. Mm -hmm. uh, no one feels sorry for you. You ruined a semester of my life, and I hate you for that. You deserve to get fired, and your replacement is so much better. 
You deserve to rot in jail. You're a piece of crap. Now you can go cry to your family about this and tell them how you're the victim. You poor old 52-year-old bat, stay out of my life. Why did you send her that? Um, I did send her that out of frustration. Um, there was text, she sent me text back. And after all that she's done, I just got so frustrated and. Yeah. Laura, you responded and said, keep it up, Kayla. It just gives me more ammunition. Kayla, for what? I'm not threatening you. You're a sick person, very mentally sick. I already got you fired and exposed. Not because I wanted to, but because you did bad things. Laura, like I said six months ago, never text me again. Kayla, you don't have the balls to say what you need to say to my face. You got fired because of what you did was illegal and wrong. My God, do you people ever quit? <laughs> I told her never to text me again. What, why are you responding to her? You said, You're right. you started out saying, boy, did I learn a lesson. Yes, I should not have responded. You no, were absolutely you right. I should not have. And why? What, 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 so you texted her. You started out texting her, say, I'm sorry all of this happened. Mm -hmm. I just I just felt all the anger come up and just. Well, I hate it when I start to say I'm sorry and it comes out. Die. Well, what had happened? <laughs> no. What had happened was I was texting her. I said I'm sorry, and after that day, I told her, "Never mind. I don't want anything to do with you." That's when she had texted me back. Something along those lines look good. I didn't want to be part of your life, anyways, and that's that's just kind of built up my anger. And let's take a break, and we're going to come back, and I'm going to tell each of these two what I think they each need to do at this point. We'll be right back. Evidently, what Kayla had done was she took some text messages to the police that I had supposedly sent in which I threatened her life. And I was astonished because I didn't send any death threats like that. But my lawyer made some phone calls and found out that, yes, I had been charged with harassment via electronic communication. And because of the nature of the threats, it was potentially a felony. While all of this was going on, a friend of mine did some checking online because none of us knew how this could have happened happened and found out that you could download an app in which you could send a fake text message. It took me six months before I was able to prove with my attorney that the cell phone company had absolutely no record that I had ever sent those messages, nor had she ever received them. That's how I was finally exonerated. Let, let me say to you, you're very young and you have your whole life ahead of you and um, you've had some difficult times in your life along the way, right? And Correct, yeah. I mean, that, I also get the feeling that you've met and married uh, a young man here that seems to me to be a pretty upstanding young guy that cares for you a fair amount. And I, I really hope that, you know, the two of you put this behind you. And if yes. you feel dinged up by it, I, I'm... I'm going to offer you some help with unraveling that and, and, and moving forward with it. And you lost your job over this. Yes, I did. And you say it was a passion and, and you say you've been vindicated and. By the, by the police anyway, <clears throat> by the court system. Yeah. And, and you were fired specifically for violation of a policy at your school that has a zero tolerance for violence and threats of violence and things like that. that. Is so correct. you were, you were, you were fired 
because of these text messages that I never sent text messages. And I can tell you if I was the president of that school and I had proof or at least reasonable doubt that you hadn't sent those, then I would feel compelled to hire you back. And then I would immediately fire you for inappropriate conduct as a college professor because you don't recognize boundaries. And you're getting involved with a student at the level you got involved with. Was a mistake. And moving a student into your house and giving a student answers to a test, past, present, other, whatever, as a professor, you are to avoid even the appearance of impropriety, and you have shown not good judgment yes, in that correct. regard. You're correct. You said she is drinking heavily, addicted to prescription medications, probably anorexic, and you, you decide, well, I'll just move her in and fix her. You're not qualified. I didn't want to fix her. I just wanted to keep her from dying. You said she lived with us for four months, and in that time she gained 10 pounds, got clean and sober, blossomed under our care, where she had been sickly and terrified. Uh, that sounds like fixing to me. You're not qualified. That's over. That, that's outside your lane. Yeah, I, I definitely made a mistake. My, you I are made, not, my you're, judgment you're not was very a licensed poor. therapist. That's not what you're there for. My judgment. You said was I very wasn't poor. terribly worried, and then gee, she went south. Yeah, you weren't terribly worried because you don't recognize the deep roots of pathology because that's not what you do. There's no way in God's earth that that's not improper. If you say that this is all my fault, that I brought this on myself, you're blaming the victim. I like the stare, but that's the only thing I did wrong. Want to know what's coming up on Dr. Phil? Visit our website and subscribe to our email newsletter. You'll get weekly updates, life strategies, and exclusive video that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, on drphil.com, you can see sneak previews of upcoming shows. Log on today. If I'm a student paying to go there and I find out that you got other students living in your house and I'm competing with them for grades, I'm not, I'm not gonna be happy. You, you, you're not avoiding the appearance of impropriety. I, I went through this, there is no way in God's earth that that's not improper. She was not in my class while she was living with us. I don't care whether she was or she was not. If you think that is proper, then that makes my point wow. of not having the right judgment. As that's the only thing I did wrong. I, if you say that this is all my fault, that I brought this on myself, you're blaming the victim. I was victimized by her. And all I did was care too much. I like the stare, but we're just going to have to agree to disagree. As I said, I exercised poor judgment. So in what way does that make you the victim? I was fired from my job and lost my career. That's the part that makes well, me self-fired. But for you crossing the boundaries with this student, but for letting her into your personal world and you getting into hers, would you have been vulnerable to her exploiting you? No. If you. a woman walks down a dark alley in the middle of the night alone and gets raped, does that mean she deserves to be raped? No. She exercised poor Do judgment. Not 
Do not put that on the same level no, as somebody not, being I'm raped. What don't, I'm saying don't. is that exercising poor judgment does not mean you deserve what happens to you. I did not deserve this. Okay, well, you can, um, I hope you don't do it again. Oh, I'm not going to, trust me. <laughs> I will never trust anybody again. You, you do have ownership here. Yes. You call it blaming the victim. I call that playing the victim. You've got to own this or you won't change it. And is, is what she's done here, particularly if she faked these messages and all, is that, is that fair? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know whether she did or whether she didn't. Both of y'all unplug from each other and move on. This didn't work out for y'all. And if that makes you less likely to help people in the future, uh, you know, my dad used to say sometimes the good you do does you no good. Yeah, you can say that again. Sometimes the good you do does you no good. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, too.